Hey, everybody. This is Dr. William Clark, host of the Dr. William Clark podcast and vice president of strategic initiatives, Accurate Resources. This is the CRI podcast and glad to uh, be back in the saddle. We haven't done one of these in, in a minute now that I think about it. Um, and we are off, off the heels of just drama around our country. And so there's so much going on around our country. However, we use this podcast to bring uplifting information and uh, insight into what we're doing around workforce development. Um, we are your local workforce development friend and professional that can help you at any point that you're looking for new opportunities. And we've certainly been glad to be a part of the journey of many of you as you've been dealing with Corona uh, and everything that comes along with that from a workforce development perspective. Today, got a special guest in the house. It's uh, a gentleman that I've known uh, since I moved here to Connecticut and uh, newly minted, mm. permanent CEO right, of me. Capital Community College, none other than Dr. Duncan Harris. Dr. Harris, what's going on, sir? Hey, uh, glad to be here. Uh, and I like the uh, sound uh, and thank you for that intro of newly minted. Uh, uh, as you're aware, I was uh, recently appointed by the, the Connecticut State College and University Board of Regents as the uh, permanent CEO of Capital Community College. Um, I actually was in the interim role for two years uh, prior to that. So a lot of your uh, folks that are, are watching may have seen some of the work that Capital's engaged in over the last couple of years. And so, uh, you know, I have been in the middle of all of that. Prior to coming here, I was also uh, at Manchester Community College for, for 22 years. So I've been uh, working in the community college space in this region uh, for quite some time. Uh, and then also a local guy. So I uh, live in Windsor uh, with my wife and kids. I've been there 18 years now, 17 years. And then uh, we, I grew up in Bloomfield. Shout out to all the Warhawks out there. And then I'm a proud alum of the University of Connecticut uh, Huskies. And then also the Blue Devils in terms of Central Connecticut, where I did some uh, graduate work. So I'm a, I'm a local guy, uh, but, but just honored and delighted to uh, have been given the, uh, the, uh, the wheel, proverbial wheel, uh, at, at Capital Community College, uh, with a long-standing 50-plus year history of doing good work in the Hartford community. So just honored. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, we're neighbors, you know, because I live in Windsor, too. So, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I would say let's go grab coffee, but, you know, just we can't. Right now. As long as they're six <laughs> feet apart, six feet apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's cool, man, to have you on the show. I mean, we've had a, a number of offline conversations over the years that, yeah. quite frankly, um, and I remember those conversations distinctly because it, it, they were they were at a pivotal time in my career, um, and just getting some insight from you, um, how to navigate a couple of issues, and mm -hmm. it's it's been helpful. So now I get to share you with the audience, man, which is, I think, a cool thing. So I do want to talk about Dr. Harris uh, leading and educating the next generation. And the reason why I thought that you would be just an awesome guest to have this conversation uh, with is because of your work as an educator, obviously as an administrator too, and the perspective that you have um, about what's going on uh, with the next generation of talent that's coming in and out of Hartford and those who specifically choose to go to CCC for their training needs. So obviously you told us a little bit about you, but I want to jump into this, this, this topic that I think is so key. And that is, what is your vision for the next generation of right. talent uh, that we currently have and talent that will be coming to Harvard? What's your vision? Yeah, you, 
You know, what's interesting about that, and um, you know, and as a, a, a man of color and black man in particular, I, I think about the role of, of education in the generations of within my family, right? And so, you know, a little bit of, of historical context. So my my grandfather, uh, George Harris, the irony of being named George based on, on recent events, George Harris Sr. Uh, was a sharecropper from Opelika, Alabama, right? And so he moves, so he's there, got um, 12 kids, you know, you're working on a farm, you have a, you have big families back then as, a, as an economic, in some part, kind of a means to, to work. And so they didn't own the land, you know, they're there with cotton and things like that and, and hogs and hunting and, and living off the land. And like many um, African-Americans in the, the, the late 1920s, 30s, he decided to move north for a better opportunity and for education in particular. So like my uncles, they, they didn't go to school. You know, they, they had to work. You know, my oldest uncles who've all passed, um, they, never, they never had formal education. And so my father and his younger brothers and sisters, when they moved, they moved to New Haven. They moved there. They worked uh, uh, with the train station. They were able to get some employment there. Uh, he had an ash truck. Cats don't even know what an ash truck. You know, he, he would drive around New Haven, and they would pick up ashes from fire for, for garbage to uh, feed his family. And then uh, my grandmother um, baked things, and so she would bake and she'd clean houses. But my father was able to go to school, right? So as we're talking about these generations, and so my father went to school. He became a teacher. And you're, you're hearing these lines in here, right? So he became a teacher in, um, and was actually a, a principal at Bassett School in New Haven. And then um, then went back to school. He went to Southern, which is a teacher's college. It's, it, it's, it's original roots, central. And the, they produce, you know, our states and they still produce, you know, our states, uh, you know, uh, the masses for the teachers and the educators in, in our state. And so he went there, became a teacher. And, uh, and so raised his family uh, with this value of the power of education, right? And so, so grandfather, sharecropper, father, educator, goes on to get his PhD from Michigan State and become a, a college administrator. Once again, you hear this, this theme, right? And so, uh, but his three sons all wasn't, you know, where you're going to go to school. It's not that you're going to be a scholar. It's that um, this is a value in our family now. And so I, in, in light of all of the things that are going on now, I think, uh, and that's why I think, um, you know, that this next generation that we need to really double down and insist on quality education. And I think that that's, that will be part of the source of, of, of breaking the, 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 the school to prison pipeline and all these other ills that are impacting um impacting um people in general and black people in particular and so there's you know when we talk about next generation i think that i uh, have an obligation so my son is uh grant harris is the, the next generation and he's already taking college classes you know he's been taking he's 15 and he's got you know he's taking a class this summer took a class last year and uh, I think the, 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 the part of this next generation that we need to insist on, and which is, is the great equalizer, um, is insisting on quality education for uh, this generation. So 
So, um, and it, you know, on my mother's side too, you know, my mother um, moved here from the, the Caribbean, from the island, small island of Nevis. Um, she was an orphan, but was able to come here, go to school, taught me how to, to read and do math before I went to school. Um, you know, uh, taught me how to, to, to speak and with the, the Queen's English and, and, and recognize, you know, the power of oratory, you know, that came in, in large part from my mother and, um, you know, who was home. We were blessed to have a, a stay-at-home mom. You know, I, I recognize the luxury that that is, uh, you know, nowadays based on, you know, the cost of, of living and things like that. But I know that I would not be a college president had it not been for my mother teaching me how to read before I went to nursery school. So, so there are some, some, some long-standing values and empirically sound strategy that our community can deploy, um, I think, and especially in this time, to really prepare this next generation for uh, what, what's coming uh, for them. The last thing I say about that in terms of, of, of this next generation is, is that they really need to be prepared to compete, right? And it's not competing with people in Hartford County it's competing with a, a global society, right? And as we get smaller and smaller, I mean, the, 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 the earth is the same size as it was before, you know, despite, you know, the one, but, but they're competing globally. And so we really need to, to, to kind of wake up, you know, with regard to uh, how in many instances we're allowing our youth to not be as uh, prepared academically and with regard to rigor as they should be. Um, uh, and I have something that I'll share with, with the project that Capital is working on uh, in a little bit uh, with regard to uh, teachers and our, and our youth. So, but, um, but yeah. that's the Yeah, I want to talk about teachers, too, because I really found it, find it interesting you talked about, you said Southern produces yeah. the greatest critical mass of teachers. You know, and I want to talk a little bit about education, uh, Dr. Harris, because I think in, in the world of workforce development, which is yeah. where I come from, which is what CRI is about. And of course, you through your work at CCC, MCC, uh, as a part of that, some can hear what you're saying about education and automatically go to the idea that you're promoting that everybody has to go to college, right? Now, I'm going to speak as an outsider, right? Looking at what MCC, CCC does. Let's talk about CCC because that's your school. You know, you guys do do the traditional two-year uh, uh, associate's degree that can lead to the four-year uh, opportunity. But you guys also do what we call occupational skills training. And uh, talk to us about the value of CCC having a mix of those training opportunities. And then as you're explaining this to us, Talk about it in the context of education as you're talking about your own family mm -hmm. story. Why it's important for the next generation to get educated yeah. and education, not just being go get a degree, but perhaps it's a certificate. Perhaps it's a semester here. Just walk us through the, what you guys do and, and how we should be framing our understanding of education. Yeah. Uh, good points. Uh, and uh, so I look at it as, as, a, as a continuum. Right. Mm, yeah. So there's peace to it as it relates to having, uh, you know, credentials, being able to articulate what you know. Uh, and these these I guess at some point they referred. I'll talk a little bit about this, but, but these these soft skills, which are really essential skills that that many of our youth uh, have not had access to to the curriculum for those essential skills. And so 
we'll talk about that in a second. But um, but there is great usefulness and utility in all the programs that you you talk about. And so when we talk about capital, it's not bifurcated, and we're not solely a credit degree shop. And as you mentioned, on our, our fourth floor, where we have our, our, uh, our third floor, where we have our, our workforce and training programs, um, you know, there's a plethora of, of opportunities for individuals to come in and get short-term certificate credentials that allow them to get, get to work now, uh, you know, right away. Um, we actually are, are in the midst of doing some work with the Minority Construction uh, Council and project, right? And so we had a meeting with them where we're uh, developing some curriculum that around the construction fields, right? And we have uh, one of our faculty members is working with, um, with Jennifer Greer around building out curriculum to support youth from our area interested in the construction field. And so with all this work coming down the, the pike, Department of Transportation, you know, the building, there's cranes in Hartford finally and things like that. But there's a lot of opportunities that our youth can uh, can seize that opportunity to get a job that allows them to provide for themselves and their families, and so so capital is engaged in that space. Um, and I think um, you know once again when we talk about this continuum and kind of this toolkit, you know what are are you putting in there? And sometimes it might be one of my associate's degrees, right? But other times it might be a twelve month one of our SNAP programs where that individuals can access for free. Right, but that allows them to get a job. And, and, and at the same time, I, I would suggest, you know, some of those programs are constructed in a way in which it's a feeder to get your, you know, eventually your, your, what you and I have in terms of a doctor. But somebody might start in our community worker program, go into that, identify that they have a passion for working in our community and, and serving others, get an associate's degree, transfer, get a degree in social work, get an MSW, and then go get a clinical degree, right? And so, so there are, I, I think that, that part of this is, and, and I'm glad that you're providing me with this platform, is, is do something, you know, grow, you know, develop, and seek out places which can, can provide for that, that growth. You know, uh, I know that you and I are lifelong learners, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I, I take great delight and talking to individuals that are providing me with, with, with good intel and information, you know, like yourself and others. And so, so uh, you know, what I would implore folks, you know, that are, that are listening or, or folks that are watching your program that are connected with others, but is to, to, to get them to the well, right? I'm the well, I got, I got 300,000 square feet at corner of Albany and Maine, you know, uh, it, it, I, I want folks to, to, to come here or invite me to come talk and we'll talk about uh, opportunities for, for uh, all people and, and, and especially brown people in this, in this climate with what's going on in terms of how we're disproportionately impacted by COVID and the economy and things like that, employment, that uh, we really need to, to make sure that, that we connect people with um, credit, non-credit, but um, uh, education, right, in all of its myriad of forms that allow them to secure employment and, and, and provide for themselves and their families, right? And so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not one to say that uh, it's only uh, an associate's degree or bachelor's degree. Um, I know that I pay 
you know, you, I, if, if somebody needs some, some uh, a plumber or whatever, I know that 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 it makes good money. You know, electricians. You know, there are all of these industries. I, I think, and we're seeing it even now more in COVID, where uh, a lot of those baby boomers are aging out, and there are, are ample opportunities for the millennials to really step into those spaces, uh, and to you know, once again, with the proper training, credentials, certifications, and um, and really. Um, you know, secure employment to provide for themselves and their families. Man, I, I want to touch on some of these buzzwords that I'm hearing. You know, you mentioned training. Um, yeah. You mentioned education as a part of the toolkit. For, for people who are listening and watching this conversation, who are going to automatically say that, listen, you guys both are doctors. It's easy for you to say, Right. Uh, you guys both run training programs. Mine is more soft skills. You run a more uh, diverse program in academic space. Uh, it's easy for you guys to talk about these things. Uh, Dr. Harris, give us some of the secrets you've noticed over, obviously, over your years of, of being in academia and what you see uh, uh, in the CCC world. Uh, give us some of the secrets of successfully completing the educational experience. And, and here's the context of my question why I'm asking that, because some will say college or a college-like experience is not for me, mm-hmm. okay, which, which I get, and I think you would agree to as well. However, if you're going to go from high school to work mm-hmm. or just bypass the higher education experience, which is fine, we have to acknowledge that every career, every profession requires some sort of training, whether it is a one-hour training on how to work the cash register, whether it's a multi-hour training on how to cut hair, whether it's a multi-hour training on how to change oil in a vehicle, a multi-hour training on how to draw blood as a CNA, multi-hour training on how to become a social worker, whatever the case may be, it's going to require training. So give us some secrets to successfully completing the educational experience so we can start to demystify for folks, the way they see education and learning. Yeah. um, I think that there's an analogy that I I use often, which is, you know, when I I do a lot of work with with young men and males and, you know, and a lot of times they may be athletes, right? And so the the, the analogy is if, if I had the opportunity to spend, you know, two weeks working with Stephon Curry, right? Um, you know, I would do that. Now, when I went to him, I would be respectful of his craft, his knowledge, the fact that he put the work in, etc. And you could cut and paste that analogy to other fields. Right. So even whatever you mentioned. So if I go over to to Hoffman and I'm working with a master mechanic. And I have two weeks to spend learning how to work on this vehicle. I do that. Right. Now, that also goes for my my uh, biotechnology professor, Dr. Cleo Roll, a brilliant African-American female with a Ph.D. Clemson. So what I expect when my students go into Dr. Uh, Rose's class is that they, in a similar fashion to Stephon Curry, for those 15 weeks, recognize that this brilliant instructor is 
is the master teacher. And if you do your part, you know, you're going to study, you know, you're going to, to um, go through the, the, the examples and, and you're going to, to defer as appropriately to her expertise. You should grow and acquire competency in that area as a result of that. So now that could be one week or that could be 15 or it could be like our doctorates, three or four years with a hundred page dissertation at the end of it. But if you go in with that and you recognize that my growth is intimately attached to me honoring and respecting your expertise, it happens, right? And I think about some of the, the brilliant professors that I've had that, you know, when I went in with the right mindset, you know, I came out, you know, just transformed with whatever that topic was. And so I, I, what I would encourage the folks watching is that, you know, if you go in with that mindset, that that is oftentimes the outcome. Now, if you know everything going before you go in, all right, yeah, you, you, you're on your phone the whole time. But if I go in and I say, I want to get everything that's in your head about this topic, because I know that that will serve me well in the long run, you know, those are the folks that, that, that really, um, you know, are the most, you know, some of the most successful people that I know. And, and here's the other thing that I'll say is I've got amazing faculty, got about 64 full-time faculty, another 140 adjunct faculty. Um, and in general, they all have a passion for their discipline. And when students come in with the right mindset, prepared to engage and work, you know, uh, the magic happens, right? So, so I will agree with you that there's time and place. So if you ain't ready, you ain't ready. So, you, you know, you, you can't really fake that. If you're not going to go, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if you show up, you have the right mindset, you know, you, you, you connect this somehow to you being successful and, and, and getting ahead or having what you need to build a life for yourself and your family, it happens. I'm not, not, and I'm not minimizing it, you know, so it, you got to have some, some, some cognitive brain matter. One of the things that I know is our brain matter is the same as anybody's brain matter. And you could do, we could do calculus. We could go to the moon. We could do whatever we set our mind to when we're serious about it. Uh, and so, but, but when people, you know, commit in that way, you know, the, 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 the magic of learning happens, whether that's credit or non-credit. Man, I'm, I'm gonna share. I'm gonna share a secret. Um, you know that I learned when I graduated with my doctorate degree, and and that is they told me at the beginning, and I found it to be true at the end that I graduated stupid. I graduated dumber uh, with a doctorate degree than I did going in, and the context of that statement is, you know, uh, people with master's degrees tend to think of themselves as God's gift. Uh, to this, to the space that they're studying, but Got when it. you become a doctor, right, it, you become a specialist in something so uh, constraining, if you will. And, and one of my professors mm. put it like this: I, "I am an expert of the period at the end of the third sentence in chapter okay. six of volume twenty-two of this anthology, which means I know just about this much about my topic, and everything else 
I defer to the talent and skill of other people. Mm-hmm. And and to the, the, the what you're t- what you said about uh, Steph and, and a master mechanic and, and and the lovely professors at at, at at CCC, man. I think any person going into any learning environment has to come in humble. I mean, even in a workspace on a daily basis, there are people that I work with uh, that know more than me about a certain topic. And it's in it's incumbent upon me to go in humble to learn what I don't know and also to go in clear headed about what I do know. Right. Yeah. It, this it is a give and take uh, that we have to balance. Yeah. And and what's interesting about that comment that you made is it is actually liberating and freeing once you recognize that you you don't know everything oh, and you don't man. need to know everything right yeah uh and that also creates opportunity um and so i think that sometimes uh there's this um um mindset that's not a growth mindset that prevents uh especially males and, and young males of color from engaging in this this enterprise because they've been conditioned to, to feel as though they uh, have to know everything um, but the, but the sponges, you know, and if you come in, you know, eager to learn, you're good. Right. Um, and so uh, I think that that's another, hopefully a takeaway from some of the folks uh, that might be watching is, is, you know, how uh, liberating and that it's a sign of strength, not weakness uh, yep. when you recognize um, how little, you know, right. Yep. Man, that that's powerful. Now CCC under your watch, um, has successfully uh, forged some good partnerships around the city of Hartford, uh, and particularly with uh, organizations that are in the workforce development space, uh, mm-hmm. which is great. Some some friends that we may have in common at, at uh, CWP and others. Yep. Um, yep. But talk to us about C- what, what you envision CCC's role uh, in developing the next generation of the workforce. Let's be specific yep. about that. Where does CCC play a role in all that? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was just on a meeting um, with one of the regional, and I'm actually a board member with uh, CWP. Mm. Uh, so I was just added to their board of directors. And so that, that gives me a seat at the table to help inform and ensure that there's alignment between the programs that we have and we're offering at, at Capital and what- Congrats on that. Are. Yeah, thanks. Um, we, we have work to do there. And I, I think uh, it was interesting, you know, one of the, the comments that um, was shared last week uh, that I, I um, you know, introduced to the group and then some of the employers, I said, I said, we need you guys to tell us, you know, who you're going to hire and the skills that they, they should, should have. And we need you to, and, and it's in your best interest to work with us to build that curriculum so that those individuals come in, you know, kind of shovel ready. Now, now, and I said, I, I, I left an open invitation. I said, you have a willing partner. Um, you know, uh, Capital is Hartford's community college, right? And if you were to look at the higher uh, education landscape, uh, you know, in this, in, in Hartford, where where it, right? We, I got, you know, close to 3,000 students credit, you know, maybe another 2,000. And, and I have more uh, students that live in Hartford zip code than any other, than anybody else in, in, in the world, right? So, so Capital has over 1,000 people whose zip code is in Hartford. That's more than any other, you know, higher education entity. And so we, we take that very seriously and we view our role, you know, with regard to 
ensuring that those 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 people that live in these Hartford zip codes have uh, job opportunities, you know, that that allow them to 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 buy these homes here, stay here, pay their taxes here, and raise their families here, right? And so we're we're working on that. Um, you know, I've only been in the role 23 months. Uh, one of the things that we we have talked about um, doing is bringing in some um, uh, technical expertise around doing an analysis of the, the job opportunities and by pulling in the employers, talking to them, and then building out specific uh, curriculum for those those new uh, new programs, right? And so uh, we've actually had some talks with um, Hartford Foundation around around doing some of that work. You know that that's an interest. They're interested in race, place, and income right now, and we think that we're um, kind of a key cog in, in that uh, endeavor. Um, we did uh, an analysis. We had um, an economic, uh, an equity summit in December, and uh, Anna Stansberry, who's a, a, a economist out of uh, Harvard, came and she did some some analysis of the data. And she, uh, what the data revealed does, was that, that Capital Community College is in the, the top 5% of community colleges in the nation with regard to, for the students that completed the degree, that they're able to move up income quartiles, right? So an individual that uh, comes from some of the, Hartford has some of the, the poorest zip codes in the nation, you know, when you look at and you do an analysis of, of, of household income, uh, you know, and depending on the index that you're looking at, they, you know, they might suggest that, that Hartford is the fourth poorest city in the nation, right? If I heard that stat before, depending on what you're, what, how you're, you're looking at that. However, that student from that zip code that has a median household income of $25,000, should they come here and complete my cybersecurity degree or my nursing degree or one of the other degrees that I offer and go work, it allows them to move themselves and their family out of poverty. And when you look at capital and how we're able to do that, I've got the largest nursing program in the state, you know, for the, I've got over 30, 300 nursing majors, right? So, so what about that um, um, person from that zip code that is one of the poorest zip codes in the nation who comes to capital, who completes that nursing degree, who has the grit, comes in and finishes, now what are they able to do? So, um, you know, so once again, as we talk about workforce jobs, um, I, and I think I've shared with you before this, you know, my, you know, when you get an email from me, the bottom says, first job, a better job, your career, right? And as we talk about the continuum, I recognize that many of my students may not have had, ever had a job, you know? They didn't, they didn't grow up with George Harris, you know, every day who, who you know, I'm cutting lawns at, at seven or eight, you know? Uh, uh, and shine in his shoes to learn, you know, work ethic. Um, and so, so sometimes we recognize that there's a need for us to help our students get that first job and there's nobility in that work at, at retail or working wherever, or, you know, and they're, they're learning those essential skills about being on time and, and the corporate culture of wherever they're working, things like that. And so, so we need that to help our students find that first job. Now, after they take Excel, or they take an accounting class or public speaking, I expect them to use that education to get a better job that might pay instead of $10, $18 an hour. It might have better hours, it might have benefits, right? But they're using what they learned at Capital to flip that into a better job. 
And then the last part of that continuum is shame on us if, as a result of the time they spend with us, they don't have a sense of the career spectrum and where they, what they want to do for, for, for life, right, and a career, right? So you and I have careers in workforce and education. You know, we have, we've had, certainly had, had jobs, you know, over that, that career, but we have a career that's fulfilling to us that we've, we've trained and, and acquired skills for. So we want to make sure that as a part of our experience at Capital, you know, wherever they're coming in, whether that's first job, finding that better job, you know, as an apprentice at the Hartford in our apprentice program, right? Uh, and then finally, a career uh, in terms of one of the career domains. And so, so we, we, we're in the process of, of engineering, you know, kind of how we're structured so that students, uh, you know, touch up. Where students work matters. Our students, they, you know, I lived, when I went, I was undergrad, I went to UConn, lived in the dorm. My students live at home, right? And so, so they, and they work, you know, and so we need to know where they're working. And hopefully, oftentimes, you, well, do you want to work at Travelers instead of working at, at fill in the blank? You know, so here's what we, here's our, our, our Travelers program called The Edge. Shout out to Tar Spain and, and the folks at Travelers for, investing in us in the edge part. We've got executives, you know, on the whatever, I guess they're working from home now, but in the past they would have been on one of the upper floors at Travelers that started at Capital in our Travelers Edge program, right? And they worked their way up. You know, we honored one of them at our, our, with our alumni award last year, who's an executive at Travelers. But they started here, you know, they're taking their accounting finance, we equipped them, equipped them with those essential skills. Um, and so, um, we, you know, we, we, we're, um, we get that Hartford needs us to be, be great. You know, Hartford, Hartford needs a Vanguard community college. You know, if you look at urban cities, uh, you know, a good friend of mine is in Cleveland. Uh, one of my mentors is the president of Cuyahoga Community College and Cuyahoga, they call it, they're the other triple C, Cuyahoga Community College in Cleveland. They do amazing work for Clevelanders, right? And, and, and that community knows that they could rely on, on Cuyahoga to kind of get them to employment, whether that's non-credit, credit, whatever. So, um, so that's, that's how we're, you know, organizing our, ourselves here. Uh, just a quick question here. Can people with degrees uh, who already have a four-year degree, master's degree, even doctor degree, come back to CCC to take classes? Yeah. Um, you know, what we're going to find in this economy, and that, that's a good question, is that, um, you know, oftentimes people are going to need to find other, might have to make career changes, dramatic, 180s. And so oftentimes, you know, one of the most effective ways to do that is to come to a community college um, where you can get an associate's degree in a, in a particular field. Let's say you wanted to do radiological technology, you know, rad tech. And, but you are, you have a degree in, in uh, an MSW or you were, you know, you have an MBA, something happened and you want to come back to retrain to, to enter into a different field, oftentimes the place that you could do that uh, is the community college. Um, one of the things within that, oftentimes all of your, your gen ed uh, requirements are done. You know, so typically an associate's degree is, is 60 credits. You know, you kind of got all your English and math and fine arts and all the gen ed done. So you're really only taking kind of core curriculum in order to, to get a, an, an associate's degree. We have a number of uh, students in our nursing program already have bachelor's degrees in, in other areas. Uh, and they'll come back to pursue a, a career in nursing or, or cybersecurity. That's a hot field right now. Uh, we have uh, 
one of the uh, few uh, cyber programs, uh, associate degree uh, in, the, in the area. And that's, you know, that's kind of buzzing right now too. A lot of job security in that. Um, so yeah, definitely a place um, for folks to, um, you know, engage in lifelong learning, uh, credit or non-credit. So um, just second to last question, you know, folks like me, uh, we, we oversee the Strive Connecticut program at Career Resources, which is work, a workforce readiness uh, program, and we focus on soft skills. Uh, talk to groups like me. Talk to others who are listening who say, I like what you're saying, Dr. Harris. We want to work with, align with capital. How can we become partners? How can we walk alongside the school and and be a part of the journey of the school uh, and, and to help you and, and the teachers and administrators at the school succeed? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think we, we need to get in the room together, right? Um, um, uh, and we start with the student in the middle. I guess the, the analogy that once again that I've been using is kind of this, this Venn diagram. Here's what I do well. Here's what you do well, you know, and, and, and my student is also your client, right? And so what parts, parts do I handle? What parts do you handle? And the likelihood of us, you know, um, you know, structuring that in a way increases the, the ability of that person we both care about being successful. Uh, and us working in silos diminishes the ability of that individual to, to be successful, right? Or us uh, working in silos and not sharing the limited resources that we have for the benefit of that student also compromises their ability, right? So, so you bring your and it might even be three of us, but let's say you had 50% and I have 50%, right? When we put that together, now that individual has, has, a, has 100% of the supports and resources that they need to access, you know, a better life for themselves and their family. And so, so, you know, philosophically, that's how we're beginning to operate. We actually did, we're not done yet, but we, we have, um, you know, we're doing an audit of all of the, the community-based organizations in our region, right? And some individuals we have very deep uh, relationships with others, we really should. And we're kind of like, all right, well, why aren't we working with, with, with that particular group, right? So that you could imagine kind of this spreadsheet of, of you know, kind of capital, who's the, the person, who's the contact, you know, how is that, uh, how are we, uh, do we have mutual aims with regard to support of my student, which might be their client, et cetera. And so, so um, we actually have a, we did some, we just completed a master plan. And so we were, even though we're, we're at 950 Maine, when you, you put dots around the city and the region, you know, I've got students at, at all of the hospitals. You know, we're offering classes in the state house. We have students over at Harvard Stage. We're working with Blue Hill Civic. You know, we're working with, with you guys, we're working with OPP, et cetera. And so, but when you, you put, you do the map, you know, you can see where the, the, the kind of partnerships are. You know, uh, whether that's early childhood ed, you know, our students are out doing, uh, you know, internships and clinical exercises and things like that. So, so, so we, we're, we're doing that. But what I would suggest is that it, it could be even more and even operate more efficiently, right, to ensure that, that we share information about, you know, the, these people that we care about. Um, and like I said, uh, uh, from one, you know, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, a nonprofit, we're a nonprofit state agency, just like you, you guys are nonprofit. This idea that, that our, our resources are limited, right? And so we should be beholden to, to work together differently to leverage the limited resources that we have to improve outcomes. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't always have 100%, but I got 50, and I'll put my 50 with your 50, 
And now all of a sudden that person that once again would care about that citizen has 100%. And they, they wouldn't have made it with just my 50 or just your 50 resource-wise. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of the work. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, and I think in our in our in our town, um, partnership has to be, I guess, the way forward um, for reasons you talked about. But I think also for reasons that perhaps the client can't fully articulate. And um, it, it's important, um, you know, for more organizations to partner. And and certainly, I'm a big believer in that. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that, that I do agree with you deeply. Um, I really appreciate the time, but I definitely want to give you the floor to talk about CCC, uh, to talk about enrollment opportunities that are coming up. Uh, you know, school is starting up in a couple months in the fall, just whatever you want to share to with us about CCC and how folks can get connected to the school the floor is yours, man. Yeah, well, appreciate that. And, and thank you for this time that we spent. You know, I think it's important for people to hear us talk about what we believe and what we think and what we're committed to, to do for our community. And so I want to thank you uh, for that, you know, this platform to do that. Um, I, what I will say is that, you know, we, we didn't talk a lot about COVID, right, and the impact of, of COVID on uh, our community. And what's interesting about that is that that capital, you know, we're going to be open. You know, how we're going to be open, we're, we're you know, working on those plans. You know, we're, we're part of the, the uh, Reopen Connecticut in terms of the higher education uh, component of that, where we're, you know, we're, we're mapping out things in, in the lobby, how, how where people need to stand. We're acquiring masks for all of our employees. You know, we're looking at how many students can, can sit in a classroom uh, and um, maintain appropriate um, social distancing. So, so we're in the midst of all that. We're going to be open. And like I said, uh, how and the methodology of the delivery of the instruction will be what we're kind of finalizing now. We, we are uh, uh, March 13th, you know, that night we, we shut down the campus and, um, you know, our, our students um, completed the remainder of the semester in an online format. Our, our faculty rallied. You know, it's interesting, we were going into spring break and uh, uh, they all worked on their classes. You know, they coming in, they're filming lectures. They, you know, they were asking for software. They were, you know, um, converting the remainder of, of the semester into so that our students could finish. We had our, our virtual commencement graduation on the 21st this, this month. And so, so, so we're going to be prepared to do that again if we have to, but even better. So even this summer, all of our classes are, are fully online. Um, students, you know, are taking, uh, we have kits and simulations and sim software, you know, to do anatomy and physiology. Who knew, right? So, so there's a piece to that, though, what I will say is that, especially for, you know, our uh, students who may have families, other commitments, you know, I think that that's a good thing in the long run, that now... I could, you know, if I got to be home or the bus stop at three, that doesn't mean that I have to stop out of college or that I can't go to college. Because now I could go to the bus stop, but then jump on my online class at, at, at 3.30 or at midnight when the kids are asleep and I'm wide awake, right? And so, so there will be a byproduct of all this COVID that is that capital will be, uh, be more prepared, better prepared to deliver you know, a uh, uh, distance-based education for uh, our, our citizens who have very complex 
lives and that this allows them in a very different way to, to integrate that. Now, the other thing with that is that our graduating seniors from all these schools and, you know, uh, my son is at home. He's at, uh, uh, at Windsor High. You know, he's been online, you know, the, the, the remainder too, you know, since March also, right? And, I'll, and when I'm home, I'll look at him and he's doing, you know, presentations. He's doing research, information literacy. And, and it's, it, I'd imagine it, it's as uh, engaged, although different, as it, as it would be in person. So now all these seniors that are, you know, listening or people who are listening who have seniors and cousins and this and that, um, you know, you should think about, they should think about going to Capitol. I don't know that I would go to, to Virginia State right now, you know, and I, you know, I'm, or Howard, my daughter went to Howard, look, but they, they might be home in a couple, couple weeks. They might be in a dorm with, you know, where there's a, a breakout, you know, and they, so they might be online anyway. But now would I pay, you know, Howard tuition? Or would I pay capital tuition? If you, you know, and a lot of our students are eligible for, for financial aid. If, if somebody gets a, a, a Pell Grant, this is demystifying, you know, which tends to be about $6,100 for the year. That pays for your, for two semesters at capital with a computer laptop that you can get from the bookstore and some money for the internet. So I think that there's a, a piece to it where I'm not, and, and, and we're as committed and I'm talking about the rigor and the outcomes as, as any other school. You know, my, I've got faculty that teach here and at Central and at UConn and other. They're using the same textbook, but you're paying 10 times as much. So, so I say all that to say that, that right now, based on some of the uncertainty, um, based on the economy, based on the need to be in school somewhere, right, I think that capital is an option in a very different way that it, it may have ever been in our history for our community. And we'll be ready. Um, you know, we've got virtual online, you know, admission stuff. We're doing, the last thing I'll say and I, um, that I didn't get a chance to talk about is that um, July 1st, we're rolling out a, a black and Latino male teacher preparation program. And um, I'm actually going to be one of the instructors in it. Uh, I'll be teaching the uh, first year experience class. Uh, we're identifying uh, mentors. So, so we're looking for probably about 20 black and Latino males that um, are interested in, and may think they may be interested in being a teacher. And we'll link them with, um, with coaches, you know, throughout the time. Uh, but we'll get them prepared to enter into the schools of education within the state. Right? So they'll start here. Um, we'll provide them with, um, you know, work experience, mentoring, uh, you know, and quality instruction. And so, so part of what we're doing in response to all of this is that Capital will be a, uh, a producer of Black and Latino male teachers, you know, for our, our state. Uh, and so we're launching that program. I'll get some more information out to folks, but there'll be a uh, process to, to apply for that. And, uh, but we're very excited about that. You know, uh, we didn't touch on you know, some of the images and things like that, especially with, with, with men. But I think, you know, when, as we talk about what we're going to do, you know, I know me personally, I'm, I'm going to grow some black and Latino teachers that we're going to put in these schools to um, be concordant mentors for young black and Latino males that may have, uh, haven't had the opportunity 
to see somebody that looks like them be scholarly and impart knowledge and be at the front of the classroom. So, you know, as I was pondering this weekend, like you, you know, I was like, all right, I got to get that program out. Mm. And, um, and that's kind of something that you could, we could do. Uh, and so, um, so I'm, I'm, thank you for allowing me to share that uh, with you as it relates to kind of what's going on. So, so yeah, so, so come on, come on, come on. We got something for, for, for folks and, 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 and uh, Capital is Hartford's, Hartford's Community College, a Vanguard college, right? And uh, that's what we're, we're trying to do. We're, we're not going to just talk about it. We're going to be about it. I'm a hip-hop CEO, too. So <laughs> <laughs> It makes economic sense. Yeah. It makes academic sense. It makes professional sense. Man, yeah. I love how you were selling capital. No shades at HBCUs. Definitely nah, shout yeah, them out. Yeah. But, man. Save yeah. a couple of dollars and stay home this semester. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, before we before we wrap, man, you know, I, I do want to touch on George Floyd, you know, as we were sitting here, uh, yeah. the news just came out that all four police officers have been charged in some way uh, with the death of George Floyd. And um, this mm. in, indeed is not a political po- uh, podcast and yeah. and nor is it about to be. Uh, but I do want to echo something you shared and I shared with my congregation on Sunday that I am not the pastor you will find storming down uh, to the state capitol protesting and, and nor am I the pastor to say it's wrong. You know, that's just not my lane. We know people in our city who are literally called to do that, to protest, to bring attention to it, uh, to issues that plague our community. But what I will say, my calling is very similar to yours in that you are intent to build uh, black and brown educators. I am intent to uh, to bring on board people who understand and can uh, uh, serve at a high quality, the plight of high barriered families who are mm. overwhelmingly black and brown. And I intend under my watch, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, to deliver quality programs that respect where our clients are coming from. I learned long ago when I was working mm-hmm. in public housing that the people we serve uh, are people who don't get respect anywhere else. They are treated like the scum. They are treated like they are less than. And I bowed early in my career when I was still living in Philadelphia, working in PHA, uh, shout out to PHA, that uh, Philadelphia Housing Authority, that whenever people came into my office, came into my presence who were low income, they will be treated like mm. the high-end client that they are because yep. if people didn't live in the public housing facility if people didn't attend my program if people didn't go to capital there is no revenue mm. i might as well just get on a soapbox here's the thing about nonprofits that people don't understand without the traffic of our clients we we can't pay bills now our clients may not pay as much they may not pay anything at all but the way we get grants, the way you get attention for capital yeah. is by having uh, traffic. And traffic yeah. comes as a result of you still offering a high quality experience that respects where mm-hmm. people are coming from, that supports them. And Career Resources is in the same boat. Every nonprofit we know of is in the same boat. So it behooves us as a yeah. community, as a society, particularly people of color, to treat people of color, people of low socioeconomic status as if they can buy that Gucci purse or those Gucci shoes or that Louis Vuitton belt and legit afford it because they make a way for us to earn a living. They make a way for us to keep our lights on. And and we should be thankful 
to be called yeah. to serve in the capacity that okay. we're in. I'm, I'm not trying to preach anybody. I'm yeah. just saying that if you're in this space, serving in a nonprofit space, listening to Dr. Harris, it's certainly listening to me. I mean, it is our duty to love and respect all of our clients, no matter where they're coming from. If you have a record or not, if you're on SNAP or not, if you're on food stamps or not, I'm going to speak on behalf of Sierra. We love you. We're going to respect yeah. you. And, and Dr. Harris, I mean, you can respond to that how you feel, but that is, that's where I'm called to be. That's what I'm called to do, man. Shout out to those who are going to protest, but certainly if you don't come where I'm running a program at Strive or CRI, you will be retreated. Doors will be open for you because you deserve them. Yeah. I mean, the, my response would be amen. Right. I think this is, <laughs> uh, but I, I would say also that, that we're like-minded in that regard and, and, and we work at, at like-minded institutions. Right. And so very noble work. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I know when I'm hiring people, I, I listen for that in their responses as it relates to how they're wired and, and the fire in their belly and passion for, uh, for serving. Right. And so, uh, you know, uh, I've been fortunate to uh, be allowed to join the folks at Capitol. And so one of the things that I have uncovered over the last two years is that that people are wired in that way. Uh, and that when they come into the building, they come here, they could teach anywhere. I've got folks with Harvard PhDs that, that you know, that, that choose to, to work here uh, and, and educate, uh, you know, my students, 36% of which are black, another 31% uh, Hispanic. So we are one of the blackest and brownest uh, community colleges in New England. Yep. And so, um, so, so by uh, the nature of who we are and who, uh, uh, who we serve here, you know, the individuals who are fortunate to be granted the opportunity to work here. And that's, that's how right. they, you know, um, uh, uh, that's the way that they're, that they're wired. And so, uh, you know, uh, and, and the, the last thing uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, George Gordon. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, my, I, I think I might have said it. My father's name is George, right? And, uh, and so, and my brother and nephew. And so, so uh, you know, this weekend when, when I was oscillating between seething anger and um, hopeless despair and tears, you know, it, it um, really, you know, caused me to... Um, uh, refute, you know, uh, hopelessness, and uh, and that's and that came out like, well, but but what are you going to do? That's right, right. That's and right. and I like you, I'm not, you know, um, you know, at the protest, I, you know, I've got, I'm there in spirit, you know, but I'm not, you know, uh, there. But I will make sure that, um, you know, that my police that work here are are mindful how they may be perceived. I'll make sure that, that we're having a forum uh, here uh, next, um, you know, virtually next Wednesday for the faculty and staff. And, and I've invited certain people to kind of come talk and, 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 and set the stage for what we will do as an institution uh, in response, not in reaction, but our response to what we've uh, lived through in recent events. And so, um, you know, I, I, so I, I think, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a person who's been traumatized by this, by recent events similar to you, that, um, you know, the, my response, though, is what, what are you going to do mm-hmm. as the, the CEO of, of this organization and, and what responsibility do we have? And so, uh, 
you know, once again, wrapping up, just, just thank you for this opportunity to share with your viewers, you know, how we're responding as, as uh, black men who, who look like George or these mm -hmm. Georges or these Arberries, um, and, uh, you know, uh, have been in situations where somebody could have elected to uh, cause us to not be able to uh, exercise our God-given right to breathe yeah. or, or to live. And so, um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, like I said, the, the, my res I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm formulating my response. Um, and it'll be in the teachers and it'll be in, you know, the people you send over here or, or you know, these partnerships that we build to, uh, to strengthen our community. And that, that's what we can do. So thank you. I, man, I think you just spoke the sentence in my heart. I, I want to thank you for your service. You yeah. know, um, people like you um, and, and other brothers who are on the front line uh, serving our community, doing all that you can. I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank you for making capital available to Hartford, man. And we wish you much success on this journey. This is Dr. William Clark for Career Resources. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace, everybody. Take care. Have you ever wondered how large nonprofits consistently generate millions of dollars? Have you ever wondered how to write the perfect grant or how to successfully manage a grant or even how to find money beyond grants? Hi, my name is Dr. William Clark, and I'm the creator and instructor of What You Should Know Before Applying for Grants. This masterclass has over 28 modules of training, and it comes with tools, tips, and tricks on how to generate significant money for your nonprofit. Some students have been fortunate enough to build six-figure programs, and others have been fortunate enough to triple their fundraising results because of this masterclass. Whatever your fundraising goals are, this masterclass can help you achieve them. To register your seat, simply go to mysixfigurefunding.com. That's mysixfigurefunding.com, and you'll be taken immediately into our student portal where you can access all of our trainings. You can take the trainings on demand, at your own pace, and at any time. You even can interact with other students and me all online from the comfort of your home or your office. If you want to secure your seat today for this masterclass, what you should know before applying for grants, simply go to mysixfigurefunding.com. Again, that's mysixfigurefunding.com, and I'm looking forward to learning with you and growing with you as you achieve your fundraising goals for your nonprofit.